Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. What's going on? This is Ryan. Welcome back to the Adulting with Asperger's podcast. This is episode three. Um, I'm recording this one inside. Last week I did it uh, going for a walk in the woods and I apologize again for some of the audio. A couple of, couple of times the sound dipped down and um, the wind kicked up a couple times. And Anyway, so learn my lesson there um, unless I can figure out a better microphone or something. It was kind of nice recording out in the woods, out for a walk. Um, I find I do my best thinking when I'm walking and talking, but... Um, Anyway, we'll just, uh, we'll wait to figure that out in the meantime. Uh, I'm inside. Um, please excuse me also, I got a bit of a stuffed up nose. My allergies are going crazy and I'm actually at home today. Um, called in sick to work because I've just got some um, crazy buildup of sinus and headache and a bit of nausea. So uh, hopefully I sound okay. Um, anyway, yeah, episode three, here we go. The, the response has been great so far. I can't thank you enough, everybody who's who's um, left comments or shared the posts and, and sent me messages and questions and things. It's it's just really neat. Feels really good. This is all new to me, and it's such a wild adventure. I don't know what else, what other word to use. Learning, trying to learn everything I can, and, and doing all this research online with blogs and. And, and reading different books and, and everything else and um, just sharing it all. I've got a couple uh, mess questions here too that I received. So I think I'll start doing a little Q&A at the end of each episode, answering your questions. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll do that towards the end. Uh, in the meantime, I just did a blog post on the Facebook page. And I thought I would just share that in, in an audio kind of version. Um, I'll post this in the comments on the Facebook page under this podcast. Um, this is a book I picked up at the meeting of LASC, which is London Autistic Standing Together. Um, it's a little organization in London that I, I've recently linked up with and, and, and um, attended my, my first meeting. <laughs> and I'll be attending more meetings. Um, and they've got a little lending library there at this organization, um, books uh, about autism or relating to autism or written by autistic people, even fiction, either written by autistic people or featuring autistic characters. It's a really neat little idea, this little library. So I, I checked out a couple books. One of them is called, I think I might be autistic, a guide to autism spectrum disorder diagnosis and self discovery for adults by Cynthia Kim. So I'll post this in the comments. Um, it's a really neat little book I'm, I'm, I'm working my way through and this is exactly the kind of thing I've been looking for I mean this is 
this is what I'm talking about with this podcast and this adulting with autism, adulting with Asperger's. It's like, what is it like for us? I'm 43 years old and here I am at this point in my life after struggling for my entire life with certain issues going, okay, here it is. I've identified what it is and now I have to figure out what to do with that information. So this book's really helpful. Um, They've got some checklists in here, you know, a list of questions for diagnosis. And I I blogged one of them the other day and I'm just going to read through it and talk about it because I think it's really interesting. And uh, so this little section, they, they have it kind of broken down into different sections, A, B, C, D, uh, different categories where there are questions. And this is um, this is all uh, the criteria for diagnosing autism spectrum disorder according to DSM-5. And it's pretty neat uh, when you read this stuff. Um, so I just kind of randomly picked one section, and this is section D. And it says, these traits must limit and impair daily function. So... And then a little asterisk, it says, being limited and impaired is not the same as being completely unable to do something. Daily function includes caring for yourself, performing manual tasks, seeing, hearing, eating, sleeping, speaking, learning, reading, concentrating, thinking, communicating, and working. And then it goes on. Are any of the following true as a result of the traits identified in parts A and B? So parts A and B is identifying uh, a bunch of different um, autistic traits. And then part D here is is asking how these traits impair your daily function. Um, 19 questions in this section. I answered yes to 18 and a half of these 19 questions. Um, and the half was just, there was one that I actually just kind of said yes and no. Um, so I'm calling that a half, but, uh, here we go. Let's, uh, we'll just start going through them. I, I, I'm going to go through them. I'll, I'll, I'll end up on another episode going back and reading the other sections, but I just want to start with this one since I just kind of randomly picked it the other day and I blogged about it. I just went through and typed up answers, but I thought I would just talk about them too. So here we go. Section D traits that limit and impair daily function. Question one is, are you unemployed? Um, I actually answer no to that one right now. I am employed. But question two is kind of related. Uh, Do you find it difficult to keep a job, even one that you're well qualified for? Um, And yes, this is something I've struggled with my entire adult life. I mentioned this the other day. I think if I made a list of all the different jobs I've had, it's probably 50 plus different jobs. Um, I'm actually going to sit down and try to do it one day soon and go through all my jobs and I'll read them out to you on another episode. But I've done everything from uh, working in bars, you know, being a a busboy, then a waiter and a bartender to um, last year I I drove, I worked in a lumber yard and did lumber deliveries, um, which was totally different for me. I've I did tile setting a couple years ago for a few months, which was actually quite enjoyable. I I liked the work. Um, I've been a a territory manager for a beer company. Um, I'm trying to think other things I've done. A lot of restaurant work, a lot of, I keep falling back into that. Um, And, you know, somebody asked me a couple weeks ago if I find that work difficult with being on the autism spectrum. And the answer is yes, I do find working in restaurants and bars can be very challenging um the excuse me sorry stuffy nose um yeah the the sensory input because there's so many voices and music and it can get loud and the hours can be long and I do find it's a struggle um some nights I work I can just feel myself shutting down and I have to tap into it like every every little ounce of reserve I can pull to try to get through it at a certain point of the night I just find myself I get stupid my brain just can't do it anymore and I I, and I just I don't you know I just sort of have to fight my way through it and then oftentimes the next day like I'm just mentally exhausted I can't even function Um, I just need a break from humans and people and noise and sound and all kinds of sensory so yeah it is difficult Um, unfortunately I keep going back to it because uh, it's the only thing I've been able to find that I can do that is actually decent paying. I mean, other jobs 
that I would enjoy. I would, I think I would enjoy landscaping or enjoy, um, you know, the tile setting was great. I liked that and other things, even working in the lumber yard. I didn't mind that at all, except there's the pay is, is terrible. And I found myself, um, when I was working in a lumber yard, I mean, it's minimum wage and getting further and further behind in bills every month until the point where I was on the verge of financial collapse. Um, luckily I was able to, um, borrow a bit of money from family to, to pay off some bills. And it sucks to be in that situation when you're an adult, but I just haven't been able to find any work out there that, that is decent paying. It seems like, you know, where we live, we're in kind of a, uh, rural area and I you know I grew up in cities and I'm not a farmer I'm not a construction guy I'm not like a skilled laborer so it's challenging finding finding decent paying work um and then on the creative side like I can write and things like that but um you know that you know it's nice to have something steady so so bartending and waiting tables is is the only way I know how right now to make a decent living um unfortunately it is very challenging with ASD but you know, I, I'm, I'm, I find I've figured out a bunch of different coping mechanisms. And anyway, I'm going to try to make my next answers shorter because I don't want this to go on too long. But question one, are you unemployed? Uh, no, I am employed, but barely sometimes. And do you find it difficult to keep a job even one you're well qualified for? Uh, yeah, I do. And I'm, I've had some struggles in that department over the, over the years, you know, with, with certain jobs I've gotten that, that, um, um, you know, things just have gone sideways just with people, with relationships, with misunderstandings, with communication. I tend to work in my own way and I tend to work very independently. And sometimes that can be misunderstood by other people as me not wanting to, like I'm not communicating or I'm not wanting to communicate or, or they might not understand what I'm doing or, or, you know, um, or think I'm not doing anything when in fact I'm doing a bunch of things, but they just don't see it because it's, I'm not communicating. I I just kind of the way I am, my personality, I'm very independent. I I don't hide anything. If you want to know what's going on, just ask me. But, but, but I, I just tend, my brain just tends to to focus in on things and and do my work. And I forget about the the communication piece of, of, I guess, in, in work environments, people like to talk and chat and, everybody fill everyone else in and everything and and I I kind of lose sight of that I sort of get my head down and just do my work um which can sometimes create problems uh three are you underemployed and in brackets have substantially more training or education than is required for your job I would say yes uh I I right now I'm a bartender and a waiter I I mean a few years ago I was working for a, a beer importer and I was running the operations for an entire province. I mean, I'm capable of a lot more than what I'm doing. Um, the other thing I found is in a, in a lot of those jobs, um, you know, I've, I've managed restaurants and things like that where I'm working 80, 90 hours a week. And I just find like I, my, at a certain point, I just, I don't like working that much. It's a burnout thing. So this, this right now is actually perfect for me. Like I'm happy to like wait tables and make my money and work my, you know, four or five shifts a week and go home and not have to think about it. So those first three questions are all kind of related, but you know, um, there we go. There's been lots of employment difficulties in my life. I'd say, um, I've also had jobs where, uh, this, the sensory input from the job has, has challenged me. I had a job once where I worked, I was working for a record company and I worked in this office building and, I didn't identify it exactly at the time, but looking back, I know the office environment, it was all like cubicles and there's this kind of like hum of all the voices and the hum of the lights and the sort of white noise and beige walls. And I remember at the time, like I just would get stressed out and have these panic attacks and I'd have to go outside and and just breathe. And and I, I couldn't identify exactly what was happening, but looking back on it now, I realize it was like a sensory thing. It's like this... The, the sort of hum of everything. And I used to go in on that job. I'd go in on weekends sometimes when there'd be no one else in the office because then I could do, I could get a week's worth of work banged out in a few hours. Like I could just, when there's no one else around, I could just do it. Um, or I'd stay late at night sometimes and while well, everyone else was gone from the office and then I could do a bunch of stuff. So I find sometimes during the day, 
I would just, it'd be a struggle just to get through the day and I'd barely get any work done during the day because I was just trying to survive. And then I'd wait till everyone's gone and then at night I would do, be happy alone in this office just doing my work. So, you know, that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I, I do sometimes feel underemployed. I mean, I'm highly intelligent, highly creative, um, have created a lot of cool ideas that have turned into interesting things that other people have ran with and and I just um I've struggled with being able to really execute on on ideas that I have um and then you know executive functioning like lots of the creative ideas I have I just haven't been able to really put together so let's go to the next one to do your job do you need supports or accommodations that other similarly qualified or trained co-workers don't require and I would say yes and these are things that I'm just realizing now um that like that office job I couldn't function in that environment and I didn't know at the time how to talk about that or how to identify it nowadays I could I could just say to my boss look this environment doesn't work for me can I work from home or can I just come in for two hours on certain days or you know come in on weekends or just figure out ways to work make the environment work for me a little better or have like a quiet room I could go work in or something like that. I mean, I think the work environment in general is a lot better now than it was 20 years ago. So a lot of places will probably accommodate that. Um, the job I'm in right now, this is the first time ever in my life that I've revealed this to my employer and said, hey, uh, I'm on the autism spectrum. Um, so, and just kind of, uh, how do I word this? Informed him of some of the attributes, some of the characteristics, some of the struggles that I will have and, you know, let him know about that. So, so hopefully, um, you know, I won't be misunderstood in certain ways. Um, and anyway, he's, he was really cool about it and said, you know, if you have any struggles, let me know. Um, cause sometimes it gets loud. There's bands playing and I'm bartending and there's lots of people and sometimes it's really tough and I got to fight through that. So, um, we'll see, but, uh, this is the first time I've, I've mentioned that to an employer and it feels kind of liberating to have done so. Uh, okay. Next question. Five. Do you have difficulty completing assignments or tests on time? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Um, organizing time, the executive function idea. I mean, this is just stuff I struggle with. Um, just trying to put the pieces together. I struggle with knowing how long things take to do. I, I, I struggle with scheduling my time. Transitions are really difficult. So yeah. Uh, are you unable to take clear or complete written notes from verbal instructions or lectures? Again, yeah, this is, this is a yes. It's a big yes. And one of the things is with ASD, as we know, um, we have difficulty reading into language so when somebody is speaking there are other things at play there are hand gestures there's body language there's tone of voice um then there's other part that i just kind of call like being able to read between the lines of the language itself there's so many things that are just like implied or understood or common amongst you know nts neurotypicals that that I miss that we miss as as autistics so yeah I have a diff I I I can sometimes you know struggle with that with um, being clear on what somebody is talking about and just like a level of detail I I, I often struggle with of, of knowing someone will say okay I want you to do this task and it's like okay but like there are so many different ways to do that task and so many different outcomes and how detailed do you want the task to be done do you want a simple version, a medium, or a complex version? And, you know, I just, my brain just doesn't understand. Whereas I think other people just kind of go, okay, yep, yeah, cool, I'll have that done on Thursday. And you go, oh, great. But my brain just it, it struggles with that. Seven, do you often miss appointments or have unfinished tasks due to planning or organizational organizational challenges? Absolutely. Um, and this is also ties into the ADHD side too. Like I, I often can... Uh, miss things. I, I have to use my phone calendar, my alerts. I have to have a print calendar where I write things on. Um, previously, like I've had, when I was working from home for the beer company, like I would put up the entire year calendar on my wall in front of my desk. So I would plan things out a year ahead and I would know when all my different events were happening and different things and 
you know, different monthly bills. I'd write them on the calendar, the dates. And that really helped me a lot, being able to look at that every day, have that visual thing. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist. That's part of what happens with my brain. So, yeah, I can miss things or, or an unfinished task. Like, oh, God, yeah. I mean, you know, I went 10 years without doing my taxes a few years back and I got caught up. And now I'm a couple years behind again and I'm trying to get caught up. It just just basic simple things like knowing when my monthly bills are due like I just don't I struggle with that I get a piece of mail and I stick it beside my desk and then poof it's gone and then two months later I get a phone call oh you haven't paid your internet bill in two months and I'm like really I feel like I just paid it three weeks ago like but it's okay I'll just pay it now you know so I pay it and then things like that I just struggle with so again it's like trying to have things a calendar helps me. I, I can't function without a calendar. I need that visual in front of me every single day, planning months in ahead, knowing the dates of things, or or I just get lost. I feel like I'm at sea in a storm if I don't have that. Okay, number eight. Do you find it hard to keep up with self-care tasks like personal grooming, cooking, shopping, and cleaning? Absolutely. Uh, cleaning sucks. I, I'm terrible at it. I get distracted or I struggle or I, or, you know... The best investment I ever made in my life was having a, a house cleaner come like every week or every other week because it's like, you know, $30 or something. And, and to me, it's like that house cleaner can do in, in, in two hours what would take me like two days to do and, and do it better. So I struggle with that. And, and yeah, like cooking, shopping, like I struggle with all these things, just staying organized, knowing what we need, knowing what I have to do. Um, I can I can go days without changing my clothes or showering like if I'm just distracted by working on other things or you know it's really easy for me to I just it's it's all about losing track of time it's like the sense of time um somebody said a couple a while back that they're like yeah Ryan has a really interesting take on time you know and I do I I don't I don't I can lose track of time I don't know how long things take um or I don't know how long it's been since something's happened so something could have happened four days ago but I feel like it was yesterday like just things like that like I I struggle with uh nine do you have difficulty scheduling your daily activities to the point that important tasks frequently don't get completed yes every fucking day of my life I get up in the morning and I have a list of what I'm gonna do and a lot of the time shit just and I don't know where the day goes I talked with this I think on episode one I, I don't know where the day goes it's like I sit down, I got my list for the day, I've got eight hours, I'm going to do this, this, and this, I've got more than enough time to do the things I've got planned, and then poof, the day's gone, and I don't know what happened, and I don't know, I didn't get that stuff done, and that can happen, so, yeah, um, here we go, 10, do you often find that you miss deadlines or are unable to complete tasks necessary for living independently, yeah, again, missing deadlines, like missing Oh, when did I pay the hydro bill? Oh, it's been two months. I thought I paid that last week. Like shit like that. It's just those kind of tasks, staying on top of things. It's it's just super hard. It's like, I just don't understand. I don't know what it is. There's just this like disability in my brain and inability to like get on top of this stuff. And it's, I'll struggle, struggle, struggle to like get organized and get on top of it. And then within a month or two, it just falls apart again. So yeah, I struggle with that stuff a lot. 11. Are you unable to drive or utilize public transportation to get around as you need or would like to? Um, So this was kind of my yes and no one. Um, I'm not unable to drive. I do drive. Um, An interesting point of that, though, is I was 35 when I got my driver's license. So, you know, most of my adult life, I did not drive. I was terrified of driving. A couple times I sat in the driver's seat and operated a car. I just panicked. It was just so much going on. My brain just uh, freaked out and, and I was terrified of doing it. I just, I, I, I thought for many years that I just, I was like, I just thought I would never drive. I don't know. I just thought whatever my brain is not made for that. Um, and then for some reason that changed. And at 35, I got my driver's license and now I love driving. I absolutely love it. Um, I was living in Vancouver when I got my license and I started working for, um, a beer company and, and part of my job had me going all over the province to different beer festivals and trade shows and making sales calls and all this stuff. And I just fell in love with driving, 
driving across that beautiful province and and you know now like road trips i did a i did a road trip five years ago i drove actually five years ago this month i drove from vancouver island down the west coast of the states to california stayed there for a few days and then drove across the states to ontario um i did that by myself took me about a month i just camped every night brought a tent and and i drove eight ten twelve hours like i just drove drove and it was fantastic i just loved it so now i just i love driving but i don't know for a long time i didn't so i don't know you know um and then utilizing public transportation i avoid that at all costs i do not like getting on a bus or a streetcar um I just, it's sort of a sensory overload thing. It's just the noise and the people and the crowding. And it's something, you know, I, I wrote this in my blog the other day. I will, I would, I would rather walk somewhere than take the streetcar. Even if the streetcar ride is like 15, 20 minutes, but it'll take me an hour and 20 minutes to walk there. I would rather walk than take that streetcar. And I, I lived like that when I lived in the city in Toronto or in Vancouver. Um, yeah, I would way rather walk than take, um, for years I lived in Toronto before I drove a car and I, I walked everywhere. You know, I'd walk an hour and 20 minutes to work. I'd walk an hour and 20 minutes home. Uh, I'd rather walk than take a streetcar. So I guess that's sort of a yes and no part of that question. Question 12, do you have difficulty speaking or otherwise communicating with others? Um, absolutely. Yeah. Communication is always challenging. Uh, I sometimes have difficulty speaking. Um, if I'm if I'm trying to communicate something, I, I, I sort of stumble, I pause, I, I search for the right words, I stutter sometimes. I I, I, I kind of and I, you know I've had people just say like just spit it out, just say it like what? Or I'm at work and I'll be like oh I've got to tell somebody something and then I and then I I stop and my brain is like trying to find the right words and then they're kind of looking at me like. And then they're getting impatient, like, okay, what is it? Like, spit it out. And I'm just like, okay, hang on. Like, just, you got to give my brain a second here to do it. So any, like, quick conversation where you've got to have quick answers, like, I just, my brain doesn't do it. Um, so, yeah, I do have difficulty. Uh, and I I have a lot of difficulty with, yeah, just feeling like I'm not being understood or or trying to find the right words or or... Especially if something happens, like, there's a game of telephone, like... I say something to somebody and then they say something to someone else and that other person comes back to me but like I feel like the information they got wasn't exactly right so then they come back to me about it and now I feel like I'm being misunderstood and I, I get all flustered and I you know um that kind of thing happens a lot and then also like you know in, in groups like I'm okay with people I know I'm okay with a small group like two or three I I, I can do okay with once we get into like more than four or five people and four or five people and up, like I, I just, yeah, it's, it's challenging. I, I don't, I struggle with, um, just not getting a, yeah, what's, how do I say this? Like getting words in or getting a conversation in or like I'm a slower thinker so I pause more so people be saying something and I'm, I'm thinking of what to say and then right as I think of it and I'm about to say it it's too late because someone else is talking now because everyone else's pauses are shorter and my pauses are longer so I just feel like that'll just keep happening to the point where I feel like I'm not part of the conversation or like the only way I can I can say something is if I interrupt somebody but then I'm being rude and so at a certain point I just withdraw from the conversation and I stop trying because my brain just I can't do it um, so anyway, there's that. Let's go into question 13. Do you avoid going places or attending events, especially in new or unfamiliar settings? Abso-fucking-lutely. I don't want to go anywhere or to any event ever. <laughs> now, that's not entirely true. I do sometimes force myself to, and I do sometimes admittedly actually have fun. But it does come with a cost. It does come with a drain on the battery. And in, in in the initial piece of like when someone says like, hey, let's go to this. My initial reaction is always no. It's always anxiety. It's always I don't want to go. And then I over a little bit of time have to kind of work myself up to it. Talk myself into it. Try to somehow 
pack as much energy into that battery as I can before going. Hope I can do it. Um, I don't like going if I'm trapped. So sometimes if we're going to something with other people, if I'm going like with my partner, I'll try to figure, I'll, I'll try to like, you know, I want to have my own car or my own way to go. So if I need to, I can just be like, I got to go. And, and without kind of dragging everyone down. But um, anyway, we'll get into that again another time. 14, do you avoid meeting or interacting with people, especially in unstructured settings? Yes, that's kind of a part two of the last question, but yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I don't really love crowds. I don't do small talk terrifies me. Um, you know. I much prefer just hanging out with a, a two or three of my close friends, uh, going to parties and things, you know, whatever. It's just, I don't like it. 15. Do you have fewer friends than you'd ideally like to have? Um, I'm not really sure. I don't know. I, I have a couple of close friends. Um, I don't know that I want more. I have a lot of acquaintances. I like people. I mean, this is the other thing is don't, I don't want anyone to hear this and be like, oh, he's a jerk. He doesn't like people. Cause that's not the case. I do genuinely like people. I just, it takes me 10 years to actually become friends with somebody. Cause I just, uh, I don't know. Um, I think I talked about this the other day, but there, there's a funny meme that I saw that somebody said that, um, introverts don't make friends. They just get a, adopted by extroverts who take a liking to them and, and I think that's very true at least in my case because the the, the, the few friends I do have are um, extroverts who have adopted me <laughs> and now we're buddies and that's awesome but yeah I don't actually know how to make friends myself um, so I don't know if I have fewer than I'd like to have but I I don't know how I don't even know how many friends do most people have like I I'm so clueless. I don't even know what's normal in that strain, in that thing. Okay, question 16. Are you estranged from your family? Um, no, not currently, but uh, at one point in my life, for many years, I was. Uh, things were a little rough when I was younger, and I moved out when I was 16. And, um, you know, I'll talk about this another time, but for several years, things were rocky my family relationships were strained um so one side of my family I didn't speak to anyone for many years and anyway um yeah so whatever question 17 do you wish you had a romantic partner but are unable to initiate or maintain romantic relationships um that has always been a struggle I've always been very awkward in that world uh, at a certain point, before I got together with my current partner, I had just given up. I had been single for many years and, you know, gone on dates and just never really clicked with anybody. And I just, at a certain point, decided, well, forget it. I'm just going to go live on a boat by myself and get a dog and just, uh, who cares, <laughs> you know? So anyway, I don't know. 18, do you struggle with decision making? Um... I actually made this answer in my blog kind of, I thought was kind of funny because it was like demonstrating what my decision-making process is like to demonstrate the answer being yes, that I do struggle with decision-making. So if you haven't yet, just check on the Facebook page, look for this post, um, the answer to question 18. Because yeah, do you struggle with decision-making? Yeah, I do. Um, making decisions is super tough. I'll agonize over a decision for weeks that really I should have been able to make in a day. It's it's tricky. Um, I bore people to death that are around me with decision making because I'll just have to run it by people constantly because you know I'll have to think out loud about it. I have to I'll like make the decision one way in my head and then just see how it feels to have made the decision that way and then I'll the next day make the decision the other way in my head and then just see how that feels to have made the decision that way and then I'll do all kinds of stupid shit writing up pros and cons lists and then looking at all these theoreticals and just overcomplicating the whole freaking thing to the point where it's just like man relax um and then question 19 do you have uneven sets of skills for example 
You can comfortably speak in front of a large group at work, but are unable to speak to a small group of strangers at a party. This is a big fucking yes for me. And um, it's funny that they use the example of speaking in front of a large group because this is actually directly true in my case. Uh, When I was touring and performing music, I mean, I can get on stage in front of a couple hundred people and I have no problem performing my songs and, you know, acting in a play or something. Like, I have no problem doing that. I love it. I, I love the energy of performing and doing my songs in front of people. I mean, I had shows where I played for 500 people. and um, Yeah, I mean, other than, like, the little butterflies you always get, I mean, it, it was not a problem for me. Once I was into it, once I was a minute into the first song, like, I was just in my zone. And... And I loved it. Yet at the same time, yeah, absolutely. I can't speak to a small group of strangers at a party. I've I've gone to parties where I've left within a few minutes and snuck out because I've just like choked up or I, I get panic attacks or I just can't talk to people. I don't know how. I don't know how to walk up to people I don't know and have a conversation. If I'm at a party and I'm just standing there by myself and there's all these little groups of people here and there, little twos, threes, and fours, and fives all scattered throughout, and they're all having conversations and I'm standing there by myself, I don't know how to initiate conversations with those people without being completely fucking awkward. Like, I just don't know how to do it. So the only time I can go to a party is if I'm with at least a few people that I know and we can, and I can kind of stick to that. Um... And I can meet other people in the context of still being in my group. But if I'm alone at any point, like, I just can't do it. I mean, I've had times when I've I've climbed out of bathroom windows at parties before. I've I've jumped off balconies to escape parties. Like, you know, I've, I've, we'll go out on the balcony to get fresh air. And then it's like, I can't even bring myself to go back in to get to the door to leave. So I'll, I'll just, I've jumped off the balcony. Like, just crazy shit like that. Like, I just can't do it. So... Anyway, that's number 19. So those are some questions there. So, I mean, these are just, this is an interesting little book. It's, it's, um, it just talks about some of these different, uh, traits and things. So I'll get into it more later, but, um, I just wanted to go through one of those lists and just give, give you all some idea, um, I guess, where am we at now? Okay, I'm at 35 minutes, so maybe I'll cut this off soon. I don't want it to get too long, but uh, maybe I'll get into a couple questions now. So I got two questions to read today. Um, one is, the first one is, and, and when I get questions, I'm going to change the name, unless you are okay with me putting your actual name in. I'll just change the name. I'll make up a different first name. Obviously, I won't read your full name. So, um, yeah, I'll just change the name and then, um, we'll just do it like that unless you're okay with me reading your name. So anyway, first question here, this is from Amy and it's, uh, the question is, what are your autism symptoms? I've often thought my son was on the spectrum. How were you able to get diagnosed and did you always know you had it? So thank you, Amy, for the question. Um, what are my symptoms? Uh, I'm going to go into that a little more, but I mean, I have all the classic ones, the communication issues, the the um, misreading social stuff, the eye contact thing, like I'm terrible at eye contact, or at least I have been historically. I, I'm okay at it now because I've taught myself how to do it, although I, I'm never comfortable doing it. I don't like doing it, but I just do it because I know it's weird not to um yeah as far as the executive functioning side like i'm terrible at organizing my time completing tasks like all that stuff i struggle with uh theory of mind is another thing i struggle with like the just this common ability that humans seem to have to understand what other humans are thinking i don't have that and it's it's really difficult um it leads to misunderstandings and miscommunications it's led a few times for me to me like being taken advantage of in different situations um which i'll go into later on down the road um yeah it's like just struggling with understanding what other people's expectations are if it's not clearly laid out i i really like things to be laid out clearly like 
you know, um, in black and white. Uh, I don't like that middle ground, that gray area, because it's just, it's confusing to me. Um, yeah, the communication side, literal language, I take things very literally often. So when people say things, I, I often don't know what they mean, if they're speaking in a bit of an abstract way or... I just have to go, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean? You know, or even like certain words and certain sentences, like someone will say a sentence and in the context of what they're talking about, I'll have to get them to define a certain word in that sentence because in my brain, that word can mean different things. So I'll have to be like, I'll literally have to stop somebody and go, okay, in that sentence you just said, this word, blah, blah, blah. What did that, what does that specifically mean in the context of this sentence? And like things like that, where it's like people look at me like, what do you like it's just hard and I know that can be really difficult for people I'm talking to and then the flip side of that is sometimes I don't ask for those definitions because I'm trying to just make the conversation smooth but then I misunderstand things because I'm trying not to be awkward by by being like this weird alien robot who doesn't understand things so I'm trying to just be normal but then I will understand things misunderstand things so anyway um did you always know you had it? Yeah, I think I did intuitively. I've known for a long time. I've had different indications over the years. I've always just felt different. I've always said, you know, that I felt like an alien on this planet. Like, I just don't fit in. I don't understand. You know, I've heard it described as like, it's like coming to Earth. And it's like, having, having being on the autism spectrum, it, it, it's like, it's like living on a planet where everyone else knows each other, but you don't know anybody. Um, and it definitely feels like that. Like there's all these unwritten rules that everyone else seems to know. And I just don't understand. So that gives me a lot of anxiety and, and, and leads to depression and just a lot of stress. Um, so did I always know I had it? I think I did. I mean, I remember years ago, 10, 15 years ago, reading articles written by people with Asperger's talking about their experience and just reading them going, oh my God, this is me, 100%. Like, this is my brain. But I don't know what stopped me from really seeking a real diagnosis back then. Um, I think part of it was just this idea that I just thought I could just figure it out myself or just, like, hack my way, hack my life to, you know, like, like oh, I'm smart enough. I can just figure it out. Um, but then you keep, I keep kind of falling back into the same holes another side was like i knew one or two other people with asperger's who just presented their symptoms in a way more obvious way than i did and i kind of felt like well if people think that guy is what asperger's is then they're not going to believe i have asperger's too so there was a bit of that like just thinking like people wouldn't believe me um i don't know just a lot of reasons i mean and then the other part of the question is, how were you able to get diagnosed? Well, right now, I don't have an official diagnosis. I'm self-diagnosed. Um, I am in the process of that. And I went to my doctor and spoke to my doctor about it. And my doctor, um, I would say, was a bit dismissive about the possibility of this. And I'm not saying that to say anything bad about my doctor, because I think my doctor is awesome. Uh, I just think that's probably the normal reaction you can expect. In some of the books I've read, I was told to expect that reaction, so it didn't surprise me. But here you go, when you're 43 years old and you're going to your doctor going, hey, I think I have autism, what are, what are they supposed to, like, there's of course going to be like, well, no, like, you, we would have figured that out by now, you know, like, it's it's really strange to be at this age and coming to this and getting a diagnosis, so that involves a lot of struggle. Um, I'm in the process now of seeking help and seeking a diagnosis and I've been given a few pointers of different um, places to call and I've been making the calls I need to make and trying to talk to the right people and getting on waiting lists and things like that. So, you know, this is part of what I want to do with this podcast is, is document this process because I know I'm not the only one going through it. I spoke with someone at the, at the LAST meeting a couple weeks ago who... Well, two people there, one of whom was diagnosed at 43, I believe, so same age I am now, and another one who was diagnosed at, I think, 40, 
I want to say 47. I could be wrong, but somewhere around there. Uh, and, and, and so uh, she was telling me some of what she went through and she gave me some pointers of who to call and what numbers to call and what information to have. So, so yeah, that's the process. I mean, and this is what it is because autism wasn't really being looked at until the nineties, but I graduated high school in 95. So I went through elementary school in the eighties. They weren't looking for it then. So I was identified as being gifted and was put into, um, enrichment or gifted classes um so i am like i said like i'm i'm high iq i'm in the top two percent of iq i i i i am uh very creative but the other side like there there is an autistic side to me that was not identified back then simply because nobody was identifying it at all back then at least from what my understanding is so it didn't really start happening until the 90s um and i remember years ago um somebody i know who is an educator who's known me my whole life um who works with kids and is a little older than me and has known me my whole life said to me that you know this is maybe going back 10 years said to me you know if you were to go through um elementary school now i think you would be identified um as autistic but at the time you were going through elementary school that they weren't doing that yet so so I've yeah so I've kind of always known but it's only really in the last three four months that I've decided to finally just turn into it and say yes this is what it is and I need help because my life keeps falling apart <laughs> and despite my best efforts I can't do it alone I do need help I do need you know little tricks and tools I can use in my day-to-day life. I need help communicating. I need help living. Um, I am a partner and a father, and that's more motivation than I've ever had in my life to try to be better and, and learn how to do things and and also learn what I can't do and what I will never be able to do and just learn what my sh- those difficulties will be to empower myself and my partner to um, work through those things. So, And it's this process has been a good help. So anyway, there's the question. Um, some of the symptoms, and yeah, you thought your son was on the spectrum. Well, uh, I'm no expert. I don't know. I would think there should be some resources in the schools now for that stuff. Um, one thing I know online, there's the AQ tests. There's that. I think going to your doctor may or may not help, depending on your doctor. From what I understand. Um, I would suggest maybe something that's been suggested to me, which is reaching out to some of the autism organizations in your community that might be able to help you, which is what's helped me right now is reaching out to the, the LAST group, the London Autistic Standing Together. Just a couple of members of that group have given me information and given me numbers to call and what I should have when I go into those meetings and, and different things that are, that are helping me. So, so I would suggest maybe doing that. So, Depending on where you live, um, you know, there might be some organizing. I'm going to get into the next question. Uh, This one is from Josh. It says, I've enjoyed the episodes thus far. I felt like I was on a walk with you last week. Um, Well, thanks for that. I was wondering what your thoughts are on disclosure of diagnosis to family, friends, work, new people in your life, etc., I would think you must be pretty open about it with your podcast and social media accounts, but curious how you handle it outside of your online presence. Thanks for making your podcast. It has been a big help for me as I struggle sometimes and I wonder if my doctor has it wrong. Keep that heart on your sleeve. It helps a lot of people most definitely. Thanks again. Um, yeah, well, first of all, thank you for the letter. That's awesome. Um, that's why I'm doing it is, you know, uh, I've always... <clears throat> you know, in a lot of ways, been a hard on my sleeve kind of guy. Um, anyone who's seen me perform or, or heard my music is probably aware of that. Like, I've been pretty open with my songs about a lot of the depression and different issues I've experienced over the years. So, you know, I, probably the biggest compliment I ever received once is somebody came up to me at a show. And he said 
that listening to my music, he had, he had been going been going through a major depression and was borderline suicidal and was thinking about killing himself and that listening to my music um, and me talking about my own depression in my songs had helped him and made him realize that he wasn't alone and that was a, a big help for him and God, I, I cried when that guy told me that and I'm starting to cry right now thinking about it but I mean, that's the biggest thing for me that's the biggest compliment I ever got I could ever get in in my short-lived attempt at a music career <laughs> um, but and same thing with this podcast I mean when I started going through this process a couple months ago I just said you know I'm gonna blog about this I'm gonna podcast about it I just uh, that's for me that works that's not for everybody some people want to do it privately for me that just seems to work I don't know why I like talking I like writing I like sharing it's part of my process. I feel like when I say something out loud, it helps me think about it more clearly. Whereas if I'm just saying it in my head, it just rattles around in my head and it gets confused. But if I let it out through speaking somehow, it helps me make sense of it. You know, that's my process. So yeah, that's why I guess I guess I am being pretty open about it. If I'm if I'm podcasting and, and blogging and stuff and putting it on social media, I'm, I'm not really hiding it from anybody. Um, so yeah, hey everybody, I'm autistic. <laughs> you know, it's like people that have known me for twenty years might stumble across my Facebook posts and be like, "What? What's going on here?" So, but I don't know. I mean, it's not. It's not my job to think about what other people think of me, I guess. It, it, it's, I can't be concerned with that. I read, I heard, who said that? Somebody said, I, I, I was watching some interview with someone recently and they said, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about what other people think of you, like you have to remember that what other people think of you is none of your business. And I'm trying to take that to heart. I mean, the only thing I want to come out of sharing is posit- positivity. I want to share because I'm going through this process and I'm looking for resources and I'm not finding all the resources I want to find. So I'm sharing so that my experience can become part of the pool of resources available to other people who go through this. Um, if someone is, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever, and they're going, hey, I think I'm autistic. And I've had all these struggles in my life, and I'm finally narrowing in on what it is, but that's kind of a scary thing to do. And it's scary for me at age 43 to be doing this. But if that person can stumble across my podcast and listen to me talk about what I'm going through, then again, like that kid at that show telling me about my songs... If that person can then go, hey, I'm not alone. This guy's going through this and he's sharing it. And, and you know, maybe something I go through can help them or at least reflecting on it can help or, or maybe not. Maybe they'll decide they want to go a whole different route because what I'm doing isn't going to work for them. Like, I don't know, but I just, that's my sharing. Um, but yeah, I guess there is a bit of a difference. Like as, as this question says, you know, you're pretty open about it with podcasts and social media, but curious how you handle it outside of your online presence. Well, yeah, outside of my online presence, I haven't directly told that many people. Um, maybe, well, obviously, like my partner and my immediate family, um, and then uh, less than five people, less than five friends have I directly talked to about it. But I know a whole lot more. I've seen my posts on Facebook and things so it's not necessarily a secret but I don't talk to that many people that regularly so and it's not necessarily something if I run into someone at the grocery store I'm gonna go hey how you been I haven't seen you in a while what's going on like yeah what have you been up to oh I'm autistic now you know <laughs> not that I'm autistic now like I always have been but it's like I've, it's like a recent like I've named it now I've figured I've you know I just thought I was crazy and had all these different issues like but to, to kind of go, oh, yeah, so I've, you know, I'm, I've identified my that I'm autistic and I'm doing this and that. It's like it's not really the kind of thing you say when you run into someone at the at the grocery store or at the gas station or something. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't really care. Like I'm I'm open about it in my life 
to the people I actually talk to, which is only a handful of people that I talk to on a regular basis. And then, you know, if I happen to be sitting down with somebody and we're talking and it comes up, like I'm happy to have a conversation about it. But at the same time, I don't want to bore everyone to death with it. It's, it's, you know, um, but I'm sharing it on the podcast. So if anyone is curious or wants to know, they can listen. I'm not going to hide anything. I'm going to be pretty open. But, um, yeah, so there is a difference between our real life and online presence, for sure. But I, I, I don't know. Um, I guess once I put it out there online, I can't pretend in my real life it isn't out there online, you know. So, but yeah, like I said, other than, other than you know, a handful of people, I don't talk to that many people on a daily basis on a, or even on a weekly basis. Like I, there's maybe five people that I speak, that I, I'm even in direct communication with every week. So it's not that many. Um, and then, like I said earlier, work wise, this is the first time I've ever had a job where I've gone to the boss and said, Hey boss, um, just so you know, this is something I deal with. I'm autistic. These are some of the characteristics or traits of that. These are some of the issues I might have. These are some of the ways we can work around those. If you ever have any issues with me, please tell me, be open about it. If I have any issues with this environment or anything, I'm going to be open about it with you. Um, You know, but it does happen sometimes where even at work, like my boss will tell me something and I have to like be like, okay, I'm sorry, I don't understand that. You know, just little things. It's like when people aren't super specific, they'll use a phrase or something. Like, you know, that's other people might understand, but it's like a a term or a phrase or something that I don't completely get, and I have to be like, what does that mean? What means this? Okay, and I feel like I have to remind remind people sometimes, like, you know, because um, I feel stupid in those moments. I can feel pretty dumb, like, I, or I can feel like I'm being perceived as stupid because I'm not understanding things that everyone else seems to understand without a worry without any issue and to them it's just plain and simple language but to me it's not it's confusing so I have to kind of clarify I think I'm slowly coming out um to more people at work one of my co-workers knows now um and that you know I'm sure it'll get around I'm not I'm not gonna hide it but I'm not gonna advertise it but it just is what it is and you know it's um I, but I think I'm slowly coming out more and more. And I think at a certain point, I'll probably go too far in that direction where I'll talk about it too much. And I'll walk around with a autism t-shirt on all the time. And I'll just be fully embracing the identity. And then that'll swing back to I'm back to normal. But, you know, that's just how pendulums go and how things go. And I'm sorry, I'm, I am sick right now. And my throat's starting, my throat's starting to crack. So I should probably let this go. And it has been... I think over 40 minutes now. Oh God, we're almost in an hour. So this one was a little long. Sorry, but here we are. Take a sip of coffee here. Uh, But yeah, thanks for those questions. I appreciate that. Anyone else, send them in. Um, More questions are great. I'll do a a question or two at the end of each episode. Talk about different things. Um, I I am lining up a couple interviews too with different people. So that'll be fun going forward. And, uh, yeah. And as always, um, check, check the social media accounts, please. It's, uh, adulting with Asperger's. So just at adulting with Asperger's, um, that's on Instagram. That's on Facebook. Um, and then on the Facebook, uh, when I post this show, I'll leave notes in the comments. I'll leave a link to the book I'm talking about and, and the questionnaire and things like that. And, uh, you know, anything else. So. I'm also trying not to say, you know, all the time. I noticed that the first two episodes, I say, you know, a lot. So I just caught myself saying it again. So I'm going to try to eliminate that. One of my pet peeves is those little language things people say, like sort of, you know, all those things. And I'm also trying not to up talk at the end of a sentence. Like, hey, this is Ryan on the Adulting with Asperger's podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening and check me out on Instagram at adulting with Asperger's. <laughs> so I'm going to try not to do that. Anyway, oh God, I think my voice is cooked. 
I love you all. Thank you for listening. Uh, you're the best. And if if you're on listening to this podcast, whatever app you're using, whether it's Apple or Google or Spotify or Stitcher, or whatever I don't know. It's on over a dozen ones now. If you don't mind, take a mess. Take a second to uh, leave a rating or leave a comment or something like that. Apparently, that'll help more people find the podcast. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, um, it's a beautiful sunny day. I'm gonna go for a walk, do some work outside, or probably just crash out because I'm feeling like crap today. But uh, I love you. Thank you. Bye bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. We're kicking off during March Madness. Cal's Kentucky Wildcats are in the hunt. So throughout the tournament, I'm going to call up my friend to ask about his wins, losses, and especially what he's telling his players in the locker room. You got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.